five, really, of this UAW strike. Are uh, Brian, are you are you as concerned as I am? Because I've heard from some people that perhaps they are closer than than some may think. I'm not. I, I, you know, Sean Fain came out last night and said that that by the end of the week, if they are not any meaning, any closer to a meaningful deal, then they're going to add more plants on. Are, 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 what is your gut telling on you on this? Because I, to me, this feels like they're still far apart. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we're getting any closer to anything ending, does it? No. No, and it's unfortunate, but yeah, but we good. will we will talk about the UAW strike coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes with Merrick Masters uh, out at Wayne State. Um, also today, Mel Tucker has responded to the letter that was put out by Alan Howler, the athletic director at Michigan State University, yesterday, saying that they uh, intend to terminate Mel Tucker's contract. Which, I, you know, I don't know that even at this point, right? I think when you violate the turpitude clause in a contract, when you bring shame or perceived shame onto, in this case, the university, it's over. Whatever this relationship was, however consensual it was, it's over. You had a relationship with a vendor. That's, that's enough. That's enough. And then you admitted to phone sex with somebody who has made their life uh, advocating for sexual abuse survivors and trying to stop this perpetual state of abuse on college campuses. So the, the optics are not good. The optics brought shame on the university. So Mel Tucker today came out and had some pretty interesting things to say. In this lengthy con- uh, lengthy statement through his attorney. And one of them is alluding to a potential lawsuit. Here's what Mel Tucker said uh, uh, among the many things he said in this page-long rebuttal to Alan Howard yesterday. I look forward to one day obtaining discovery against MSU including the trustees and the athletic department to see what they really knew and said about the matter, as well as their motives in handling the entire investigative process. Now, also yesterday in Alan Haller's statement, he said that this early October hearing that's been scheduled in the title nine investigation will go on, but they do intend to terminate his contract. Here's another interesting thing. That Mel Tucker said through his his attorney. MSU knew about the information on which it supposedly relies to end my contract since at least March 2023. The complaint was filed, remember, a few months earlier in December. Yet only after Ms. Tracy and potentially others leaked the confidential investigation to the press did MSU suddenly decide this same information warrants termination. So Mel Tucker basically saying, well, you knew the details all along and you decided not to act. But once it became public, well, you had to to, to jump on the, the morality horse. And I find it to be incredibly interesting if Mel Tucker is telling the truth, 
if they really knew about all of this information. He says MSU knew about the information on which it supposedly relies to end my contract. About six months before the contract became, or, or, or the, the, the details of the investigation became public. I, I think there are a lot of questions here that the school still needs to answer. And, and Mel Tucker, I thought his first response was incredibly abrasive. I thought it showed that he was going to fight this tooth and nail. This was not going to just go away. This, he was not going to just take this lying down. And, and now, uh, with a little bit of clarity... That he's gonna he's gonna he, he's gonna depose essentially the school to find out what's going on here. So this this story, while you know Mel Tucker's time at MSU is coming to an end, um, and and the investigation will culminate with this hearing in early October. This is this story is not going away. This story is not done. If you're Mel Tucker, don't you just sort of accept your fate and move on at this point? But here's the thing. Yes. I think in Mel Tucker's case, in a perfect world, Mel Tucker would probably not end up coaching. He couldn't. He couldn't go into a high schooler's home and try to sell Michigan State and try to sell him as a steward of young men and be that leader that he probably told a lot of families that he would be. He can't do that now, right? right. That, that's impossible. That, that is a Herculean task that he wouldn't be able to, to handle. And nobody could. Um, but at the end of the day, this is about money. And he signed a $95 million guaranteed deal. And all of that is going away. You know, he's going to lose upwards of $80 million. Well, that's true. But uh, who do we have to blame for that? Well, again, I think cooler heads would think it would be Mel Tucker. Yeah. But for somebody who's essentially losing $80 million. Well, $80 million is a lot of money, but it seems sort of to publicly shoot yourself in the foot and then walk around going, who shot me in the foot? It right. seems a little ridiculous to me to try to get money out of people. It, it is. It, it does seem ridiculous. But I, I think at this point, he's grasping at straws, trying to find what it is that he might be able to grasp onto. Because, he, again, Let's operate under the assumption that Mel Tucker is telling the truth, that everything here was consensual. All of this was on the up and up. This was still a vendor that you hired right. to come into your school. So it can't be consensual. And this was still a, a, a situation that brought some sort of, shed some sort of bad light on Michigan State. Boom, done, turpitude clause, violated, done. Like, I, it's it. That's the way it goes. So I, I think that even if Mel Tucker were to be right and justified and and proven right in this case, I don't know that any of it makes a difference because I think the result still is probably the same. Uh, all right. WJR Senior News Analyst Lloyd Jackson is here. Uh, and and look, the auto show is going on down at Huntington Place, and there are so many different facets to the automotive industry. Uh, Lloyd, I can't wait to hear about one of them. What's up, bud? Hey, guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I spoke with Chris 
Twining. He's the CEO of Tajian Automotive Technology during the Technology Days at the 2023 North American International Auto Show last week. And Twining, uh, as you know, brings more than 20 years of automotive industry and manufacturing operations experience to the job. And I asked him to explain what Tajian Automotive Technologies is. Tajian Automotive Technologies is a tier one supplier of advanced composite materials to the global automotive industry. You know, we're well positioned, uh, you know, globally, as I stated, you know, we employ over 5,000 people across 28 factories in three continents, you know, doing about 1.3 billion in, in annual sales. There is a shift taking place from internal combustion engine automobiles to electric vehicles. And I asked Chris how that shift has affected his business. Well, it's something we're, we're actually very excited about. You know, we're well positioned to serve the EV market. And, and what some folks don't know is we've actually been doing it for a number of years now. Uh, you know, we compound our own proprietary composite formulations that, that allow customers to address concerns, including lightweighting, durability, and flame retardancy. And as I stated, you know, we're, we're already manufacturing EV covers for a number of OEMs and been doing so for, for some time, you know, going back um, to the Chevy Spark a number of years ago. So for, for us, like, you know, one key thing, you know, for us is that, you know, our composites and S&C specifically, you know, we're more than lightweight, like what everyone wants to think about first. You know, but in addition to that, you know, that well positions us in the EV market, you know, obviously from, you know, thermal runaway as well as, you know, improving overall range because of that lightweight perspective. Chris Twining says Tation is also working on new technologies like Hexacore and Fomacore. Hexacore it, it enables lightweight Class A body panels, roof panel enclosures. You know, Hexacore, Hexacore combines Class A outer panels with a cellular core material in a single high-speed bonding and forming step. Potential skins to this are SMC and RTM composites, as well as a number of thermoplastics. Formacore, something else we're really excited about, not quite as far along as our, our hexacore, but something that we're advancing quickly. Formacore is, is a, a high-impact, moisture-impervious impervious sandwich composite panel. It has a high strength impact, which means it's well-suited for a number of demanding applications. Again, provides faster cycle times than a number of, of current composite molding technologies. In-mold sealing uh, means that the, the core is more encapsulated and, and protected. You know, in addition, we can offer you know, net-shaped molded cores to reduce all-fall and scrap. Again, focusing on a, on a reduction of cost overall you know, from a material standpoint, from an improved quality standpoint, the overall landed cost is better, and you get a better, more durable product at the end of the day. To learn more about Tasian Automotive Technologies, headquartered in Auburn Hills, head over to their website at TasianAutomotive.com. That's T-E-I-J-I-N Automotive.com. Chris? Another great homegrown auto yes. company uh, in our area. Lloyd Jackson, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right, we got to take a break. Speaking of auto, we will talk with Merrick Masters, business professor and labor expert at Wayne State University as these contract negotiations and now strike continues between the UAW and the Big Three. That's next on JR Afternoon.